You're listening to Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be diving into more James Harden trade rumors leading up to the deadline. Let's get into it. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome into Locked On 76ers. We are free and available on all platforms. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every day. I am your host, Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, along with my guy, the OG, Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, what's up, man? What's popping, young buck? I'm good, man. I'm good. There's There was a lot of stuff we have to get into. We're going to get into the latest James Harden rumor. We're going to get into... Uh, really the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde of the Philadelphia 76ers over the weekend. And we're also going to get into the team's struggles when it comes to his zone defense. So first, Keith, we're really going to get dive into this, this James Harden stuff, man. Um, the, the, the latest update is that the Sixers and the Nets are actually beginning to engage on Harden talks before Thursday's trade deadline. Um, there's just a lot that kind of goes into it. So just what, what's your thoughts on that, man? Because we all assumed that this was going to be an off-season type of thing. You know, it's, it's weird because the Sixers are, are, are saying that, you know, it's probably going to be an off-season uh, type of thing. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, Steve Nash came out on Sunday and said that, you know, they're not going to trade James Harden before the trade deadline. But it's, it's one of those things where there's a lot of people who are, are saying, okay, well, this is what this team is saying. And this is what this other team is saying. Like, I mean, this is what Harden is saying to Brooklyn. And this is what uh, the Nets are. Um, th- this is what he's saying to Brooklyn in, in open. But this is how he feels. And he's saying stuff to the Sixers that's differently. So, like, Brooklyn doesn't know, man. They don't know what they have. And I know that sounds crazy coming out when I was trying to explain it, but they don't know what they have because they don't know if the guy is being honest. They don't know if he's being upfront and honest. And, and, and that's the problem, you know? So, you know, my thing is, you know, some people are saying that if you're Brooklyn, do you just want to cut your losses and go with Ben Simmons, who you think is the, uh, the lesser or two evils, right? Just go with Ben. And, and then it's like to a point where, you know, some people are saying, guys are saying to the owner, like, look, we love them, but if you got to trade them, trade them. Yeah, the way I see with Brooklyn Keith, they're in such a weird spot, right? Because at the beginning of the year, we're all like, oh, there, there's nobody who's going to beat the Nets if all three of those guys are healthy. It just, there's no one's going to beat the Nets, right? But here we are. It, we're, it, we're recording this. We're, gonna, we're putting this out. It's February 7th. And the Sixers, excuse me, not the Sixers, the Nets are going to be without Kevin Durant for a little while, right? They're, they only have Kyrie Irving for road games because he refuses to get vaccinated. And then they still got James Harden. Um, he's dealing with a hamstring tightness right now. And also, Keith, they might not have Joe Harris either. Joe Harris actually might have to undergo another surgery to repair his injury, and he's probably going to be out for the year. So, like, like the Nets are kind of in a tough spot. It's like – Considering how frustrating the season has been and how frustrated James Harden has been known to become with the situation, it's just like, 
like do you kind of cut your losses and try again next year and where like maybe would if you're brooklyn you'll have a healthy durant maybe new york's vaccination rules will be different and you know irving will be able to play uh just there's so many questions that brooklyn has to answer and there's this, they've only got three days really to kind of figure everything out so i'm gonna put you in brooklyn's position keith i'm gonna put you in brooklyn if you're the nets do you cut your losses and just trade hard and knowing what we know right now you know what if if i'm if i'm brooklyn do i do that uh you know it, it's tough because initially i would say no but you look at them they lost eight consecutive games right i think a lot of it has to do with um what you said when is joe harris coming back you know i mean because like you know the thing is you have an idea when durant's coming back right like but if 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 durant is not you know he's number one but if if you feel like he can come back within a couple weeks and you guys can get some wins and see how close the Eastern Conference is, then it's one of those things where you say, yeah, I'm basically going to hold on to them to next year. I mean, hold them to this summer and hope we win a championship. But if you get a sense that you're not going to win, yo, I think you need to trade them now. But the problem is, you know, right now Brooklyn wants to get Maxi as well, right? Yeah. They want Maxi as well. Which makes well, sense. Gonna try and eat, yeah, but the Sixers aren't going to give up Maxi. But it's one of those things where you know, if I'm them and I can get Ben Simmons right now, that's who I'm. That's who I'm going after. That's who I'm going after. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely go after Maxi. Like if I was the Nets, absolutely. Especially with the way that he has continued to develop and continue to grow, like. You know, you, you put him that next to Durant, you know, like who knows what, what he can become. Um, so, yeah, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm asking for Maxi. But if you're the Sixers and and this is kind of something that like I've always kind of wrestled with back and forth, Keith. Right. Like if you're the Sixers and you have an opportunity to get a guy like James Harden and team him up with Joel Embiid. And, and I know there's been a couple of reports out that like the Sixers won't include Maxi. If you're Daryl Morey, I'm going to put you in the Sixers position now. If you're Daryl Morey, do you include Maxi in a deal to bring in Harden as a player who can get you a championship right now rather than waiting for Maxi to develop into that player? Nah, if I'm if I'm if, if I'm Daryl Morey, I don't think I want to trade Maxi uh at all because like I'm not I'm not trying to say Maxi can become James Harden. I'm not trying to say that at all. All right. But what I'm saying is when you got when 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 uh, Maury traded for Harden, he was like by far the third fiddle on that team, right? He, 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 in Oklahoma City. Right. So he trades for him and he becomes that guy. You look at Maxi, and Maxi has a lot of star quality to him. Like he could be that guy. And you don't want to trade him right now. And basically, you know, you bring in James, but you, next thing you know, Maxi, you don't want years from now for him to be a perennial all-star. Right. You know what I mean? I just don't think you trade Maxi. Now, if it's B-Ball Paul, if it's Isaiah Joe or someone like that, no offense to him, but, yeah, you would do it. But Maxi, you know, Maxi, you can argue, like we talked about it before, he supplanted Tobias as the number two option on his team. I'm not doing that. 
Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And you're right. We have talked about that. Like my, my thing is, though, because we both agree that Maxi will probably need another year to really become that player. Like, why not throw him in there and, and really go all in for a title? And, you, you know, like if it works out great, then, then this is where the risk comes in, because it's like if, if it works out and you win a title, then so be it. But if it if you do this, if you do a deal with Maxi and to get hard in here and you don't win a title. And then, as you said, Maxi goes on to become that perennial all star. That's where you're kind of looking like, damn, we really traded this kid. So it's just it's a tough question to really answer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to motivate it, Maxi, in the in the uh, in the same division, same the, conference. Uh, yeah, because he's gonna look at it as if like, oh, nah, I'm, I don't get to play. Nah, I'm getting to play with KD. Nah, he's looking at it like that. They trade traded me for James Harden because they didn't feel like I was a winner. And the way Maxi works and yeah. all that, nah, bro, I don't want to motivate it, Maxi, in the locker room. I mean, in the in the division, I don't want that. <laughs> No, definitely. I mean, it, it makes sense, but just the way Harden operates and, the, and just as a player who he is, I would, in my position, I would at least consider it. I don't know if I would do it, but I would strongly consider it and like try to figure it out. And probably would, I would have sleepless nights trying to figure it out if I was Daryl Morey in, in his position. All right. Coming up next, we're going to be discussing uh, the 76ers weekend on the court, you know, because they actually did play two basketball games over the weekend. Uh, one in Texas and one in Chicago. But first, we are going to hear from Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions, right? If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or, or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but just get so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs and there's so many flavors to choose from coconut almond peanut butter brownie raspberry cookies and cream salted caramel mint brownie and many more in fact built is always coming out with new limited time flavors so check out built.com often to see what's new go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and Locked On NBA will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels and get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. All right, OG. So Sixers had a quick two-game road trip over the weekend, right? Um... Last time we spoke, they had to go. They had to face the Dallas Mavericks on Friday. You couldn't even fly into Dallas. You got stuck in Houston for a night, had to fly into Dallas the next day, and then you had to come to Chicago. But we're going to start off in Dallas. Um, Sixers, were, were they, they started off well against the Mavericks, Keith. I, I mean, the Joel was playing well. The, the offense was humming. Um, the, the team looked like they were in a serious groove. Things were going well. But then – 
the Mavericks threw a zone defense at them in the third quarter, and, and the Sixers, the Stanley scored 15 points in the third. I think they scored 33 points after halftime as a whole um, after scoring. I, I believe the number was 60, 61 or something like that in the first half, 63. So just, just what was your take? You were in Dallas. What did you see? I saw, like, a team that looked like a bunch of fifth graders taking a, a pop-up calculus one quiz. That's what it looked like. <laughs> I mean, when they went to that zone, bro, it was like, huh? Like, I mean, dude, how do you go from scoring 63 points in the first half to 35 in the second? They had 15 points in the, uh, in the, in the third quarter. You know, they couldn't make shots. I mean, it's funny, like Doc, pointed out that they did shoot 51% from the field that game. So it's crazy to say they couldn't make shots, but they shot 21% from three. You know what I mean? They were just missing shots. You know, Tobias Harris became missing in action because the ball wasn't moving. He only got two shot attempts in the second half. It was, it was bad, dude. Again, they looked like a bunch of fifth graders taking a pop-up calculus one quiz. Right. It was bad. It was bad. And listen, we're going to get into that zone defense a bit later in, in the in the episode today, but it was rough. It was just really rough to watch. And then on the other end, Keith, they really didn't have an answer for Luka Doncic. Um, I thought Matisse Thibel did a solid job against him in the first half. I think Thibel had a block on Luka in the first half. Um, but it just it kind of seemed that, again, I think I talked about this on the last episode when we recorded Luca is one of those guys who is savvy. He will understand what you're doing. He will pick up on your tendencies and he will use it against you. I thought there were a couple of times in the second half of that game on a Friday that Luca used a pump fake and Matisse just went by him. And then Luca was getting to the free throw line. Um, and, and then there were a couple of times off the bench, George Niang was switched on to him and, and Luca went to work that way too. Which is like, it just, Without Ben Simmons, Keith, they really didn't have an answer for him. No, nah, they did not have an answer for him. I mean, and that was the question mark, you know. And we also said, how would how would uh, um, Thiable go up against him? You know, how would he fare against him? Um, yeah, he just didn't have it. I mean, they, they, he, you know, he played okay, but Luke is just a big guy, strong guy. I mean, the thing is, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where defensively you look at the Sixers, and you saw how Ben and Joel anchored the defense. And that enabled Matisse and, and Danny Green and them to do other things, right? Right. And and right. now that you don't have Ben Simmons, it's kind of sort of like you see the weaknesses, you know, because, you know, Matisse is a, a, a hell of a defender. He'll probably get first team all, it'd be a first team all defensive player this year. But there are certain guys who, you know, if they're big and they're strong and they're like perimeter players, Sometimes he struggles against those type of guys, you know what I mean? And he did a good job, but Luca is just a strong guy who who's very relentless and he keeps coming. He keeps coming, you know, yeah. and he came. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was tough. Like Luca just really made a lot of adjustments in the second half. Now, moving on from the Dallas game, the team went to the, went to uh, the Windy City on Sunday on a really important matchup with the Chicago Bulls considering um that the Sixers ended up winning the game, which obviously they did. 
They now have the tiebreaker over the Bulls. They have one more matchup with Chicago in March uh, back in Philly at the Wells Fargo Center. But Philly now holds a 3-0 lead on the Bulls for the season series. Just There is a lot going there, there. There was a lot riding on this matchup with Chicago. And they were able to bounce back, Keith. They, they ended up winning the game 119-108. to um, Joel had 40-10. and 10. Tobias had 20, uh, 23 points. Tyrese Maxey played well, knocked down a couple of really tough three-pointers. So, but again, you know, DeMar DeRozan went off for 45 points. You know what I'm saying? On the other side, Keith. So, uh, granted, they didn't have Thibel on Sunday. He had a right shoulder injury. But, man, the Sixers, you know, their, their perimeter defense without Ben in some games really just looks tough. Yeah, it looks tough. But, you know, and here's the problem. I mean, remember, they was doing guys – for whatever reason, for the last three years, there's always been guards who just like eat them up. Like they always. just get to, you know what I mean? And and you know, you know, Demar Derozan is a beast. Like you know, everybody talks about the mid range game is gone, but nah, it's not. <laughs> not with when it comes to him. Like he's an all star, all star starter. You know, um, but yeah, it it was it was one of those things where they were able to overcome it. You know, the thing that stood out to me was. One day after they struggled mightily from, or one game struggled mightily from shooting threes, you know, they end up 12 for 24 for 50% for the game. And then the first half, they were seven for 13. Yeah. Seven yeah. for 13, you know, from beyond art, that three point field goal percentage is their highest in the first half this season. So they got off pretty well and, and started. Now, the one thing that concerning to the Sixers, if you are the Sixers, now, they were able to win this game, but they had, like, a huge lead at one point, and it, it it dwindled away. They were up by 17, and then all of a sudden it became a close game. So, you know, they got to do a better job of, of keeping these leads. Yeah, seriously, the, that, that lead you mentioned, it was 17 points. It, that was in the fourth quarter, you know? Like, they mm-hmm. built that lead in the fourth quarter. And then just in the blink of an eye, Keith, the Bulls go on a 13 nothing run, um, mainly because of, of DeRozan. He did a really good job of not only scoring, but he did a good job of setting up his teammates as well. Um, and all of a sudden, Chicago cut that thing down to four. And, you know, Joel Embiid had to come back in, and Embiid really had to kind of calm the team down. Um, and, and that's where Andre Drummond kind of just becomes a little inconsistent at times because I thought, Keith, there were, there were times where he just kind of didn't really have the right closeouts against Nikola Vucevic when he was able to knock down a couple of triples for Chicago. But, I mean, listen, it is what it is. At the end of the day, Sixers did pick up the win. But, yeah, you're right. They've got to figure out a way to close games out because if this was the playoffs, Keith, and the Bulls probably and the, and the Bulls had Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine out there, who knows? Chicago probably finishes that one off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree 100%. Um, you know, they came up with they did come up with some timely shots, you know what I mean? But yeah, I, I agree 100%. Now, again, you know, you know, Doc was saying that this was a hard fought victory, you know, and, and you know, all this stuff They came into Chicago, you know, Chicago's number one in the East and it was a, a good win for him. But I do agree with you. Like, you know, it, it's one of those things where things seem shaky and and then Joel and B being Joel Embiid and a couple other people, they were able to win. But there was times where you looked at it and you're like, yo, here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah, but it was a good win. It was a good win. I mean, let's keep it real. Like, they uh, they finished second. I mean, they, excuse me, they beat the team 
they they they, they went up 3-0 and they were able to bounce back from a bad loss. So it was a good win. It was a good win, but again, there's there are some things that they are going to have to continue to clean up. All right, coming up next, we are going to be discussing that this this team struggles against a zone defense. But first, we are going to hear from Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Keith. So, yeah, I mean, we we kind of touched on this earlier when we were talking about the team's shortcomings in Dallas and the loss of the Mavericks on Friday. But how many times have we seen this team struggle against a very simple 2-3 zone defense? Now, granted, you know, this is the NBA. Teams don't really rock with zone defenses anymore. You know, like that's more of a college thing, a high school thing. But the point is, Keith, when an NBA team does pull it out, as an NBA offense, you should totally be able to bust that zone pretty quickly in a span of like maybe five possessions. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of mind boggling to me because of, of the shooters and, and the guards. And I, I even think that I, I get it, but um, even like you think backup guards should be able to do it just because this is something or at least know how to do it. Just because, um, you know, they had to deal with zones in high school. Right. And they know, you know, how to get to it. It's like, but it's, it's just bad, man. And, and a lot of it, I think, is lack of patience um, and inconsistent shooting. I mean, because if you look at it, guys would like just chucking and missing on, on uh, against uh, against Dallas, just like yeah. chucking up threes and missing them. And and one thing that they don't do, and, and I think it, it hurts them, is that they don't shoot enough threes. Like when you look at the 76ers and, you know, I know it's all about analytics and analytics is, is a pain in the, in the butt. Right. But, but they rank second in the, in the NBA. Well, well the second few is three point attempts in the NBA. You know what I mean? That's crazy, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. That can't yeah. happen. That, that can't happen. And like, when you look up and down the roster, right, we're talking about, Seth Curry, who is one of the best three-point shooters ever, you know. Um, th- this year, his numbers have been down a little bit. I think that's because uh, of the same thing we talk about with Tobias Harris, you know, we, with, with the fact that Seth has to kind of handle the ball a bit more sometimes. And, and I think that's why Seth's numbers from deep have been down a bit this year. Um, but still, like, he, he when he gets an open look from deep, Keith, he, he's got to take it. Man, like, like he he has got to take it. How many times? Have, how many times have we seen Seth turn down an open three and dribble into the paint and try to make something happen? And 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 when you when you think about it, that's good. You know, get in the paint. But when you're Seth Curry, your role on this team is to shoot threes, just mm-hmm. shoot it. And there were a lot of times I thought in the Dallas game, um, I thought Seth Curry turned down a couple of threes. I thought Tobias also turned down some threes. Um, there were even a couple of times I thought George Niang turned down some threes. He's another one that I feel like has to be able to just shoot them. And Joel mentioned it after the loss. Joel said, 
you know, I'm upset. We want, we got to take these shots. And, and and when you take those shots, you know, you'll make them and eventually that bust is on. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You, you have to. And then Joel was right. They have to take those shots, you know? Um, now, the one thing I will say, the last game, Seth, Seth didn't play, right? Talking about when they lost to Dallas. Oh, oh, and, you know, he... He talked about the loss he, of Washington. He didn't play in the Washington. Oh, oh, oh no. No, I take that back. I take that back. He did play against that. He just struggled. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, he just struggled. My bad. Um, but but um yeah, maybe I thought he did play. But anyway, but like oh, I, mean, but, I mean he looked a little invisible out there. I don't know. Yeah, he looked a little <laughs> invisible. But um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, so that's the thing. You got to do it. Now the problem with this team is, you know, these guys just aren't consistent. How many times have you seen a guy? Like, have a great – like, the one guy who's the most consistent three-point shooter on the team is a dude a year ago they told me couldn't shoot, Tyrese Maxey. Right. Outside of that, these guys are hot and cold, all of them. All of them. Now, I know Seth is – is he can shoot, but he's had some games where he struggled a little bit, right? Right. And, and right. Danny, you know, Danny is like – he's the same way. You know, Isaiah Joe, like Tobias. It, they, they're just not consistent shooters, and and that's part of the problem. Yeah, that definitely is part of the problem. It's just like sure, it's like, yeah, you guys aren't inconsistent, but the thing is, is just like when you have those open looks, you've got to take them. Now, granted, you, you kind of look up and up and down the roster, and like um, you know, like I said, Seth Curry is having a, a bit of a down year shooting the ball. Uh, I think that is due to, to the, uh, the 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 new responsibilities he's had to handle this year, but Seth Curry is a proven three point shooter, right? When you get those open looks, he's got to take them. Like he can't like turn them down and try to get into the paint and and you know help out that way. It just can't happen. So he's got to take his threes. Tobias is another one, and you know we we talked about Tobias all the time when it comes to like his quick decision making. You know, like whether he's got to catch and shoot, uh, catch and drive, whatever it is. When it comes to his zone, he's got to just catch and shoot it. Um, we talked about Tyrese Maxey a little bit. I just want to touch on him a little bit when it comes to his zone. It does seem to me, Keith, that like there are times when a team goes to a zone and Tyrese does get a little confused at first. Like he doesn't really know how to attack it initially. Um, so, you know, like maybe that could, again, just kind of be something he still needs to develop just a little bit when it comes to trying to become an actual point guard in this league. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It is. I mean, and, and and that's the thing. You know, he's a scorer. Like, he's a scorer. And that's the one thing, like, as far as becoming a better facilitator, getting guys in, in their spots. You know, I think a lot of times what they try to do too much is they try to feed and be. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, that's good. Like, you know, you can you can feed them. But sometimes I think they rely a little bit too much on that. And when stuff goes wrong, they don't have any other options. To be fair. So, OK, I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll play it this way. When you when you can get the ball in the middle of a zone and you can get it to the big man, like in between, like um uh, the elbows, like at the top there, like Joel is one of those guys who's so skilled that like, he can totally just catch it, turn around, and either take the easy free throw line jumper or take his man off the dribble. Where I think the issue is they have trouble getting him the ball in like in, in the zone offense, which is where I kind of, again, kind of put a little bit of blame, not a lot, but a little bit on Tyrese, just because, again, he's 
and you just mentioned it, Tyrese is more of a scoring guard. He's not really a point guard. So it's like the Sixers always have some issues getting the ball to Joel when it comes to this, whenever they get hit with a zone. And that way, Joel can't be effective because they have issues making sure he gets the ball in his spot. Yeah, 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 that's, that's true. That's true. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. But I also think that if you notice, they have a hard time getting them the ball, but then at times they still try to do it. Instead of saying, oh, this isn't working, let's support this for a little bit. Right. And then you try something different. You know right. what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Now, okay, so, to, so then to that point, and – this goes back to what we were talking about earlier in this segment. Joel was always saying, oh, we got to take those shots, right? So for me, Keith, it's like when the guards and, and um, Tobias or, or whoever has it, when they can't get Joel the ball, that is when they need to realize, screw it. Let me take this. Let me take my guy off the dribble. Let me see if I can create my own shot. And then maybe try going back to Joel a possession or two later. And that's where it's just like, at, at some point, you need to be able to have the confidence in yourself to be able to take these shots. True, true, and and, and you're you're right. It, it it has to. You have to have the confidence to do. It. I don't think like to like. I think the thing with, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I think they have to do that. I also think that certain guys gotta, you know, create for themselves too. Like, yeah, you know, too, too, a lot of times when you see games where, like, and I'm talking about Tobias, like. You see yeah. games where the ball isn't swinging, and then after the game, it's like, oh, the ball didn't move. Nah, bro, you got to get the ball, and you got to make it. You got to make it happen for yourself at times. And you got to you know demand I mean? the ball, yeah. You got to demand it, yeah. Like, you get it, and you just boom, boom, shot. Boom, boom, shot. You know right. what I mean? Right. You know, right. and I think he needs to do more of that. You know, he needs to do more of that. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, how many times have we talked about Tobias, Tobias's aggressiveness. Like at some point, he's he's gonna really have to understand that he has to be this team's second best player next to Joel in, in order to make this thing work. Because if they if because if he doesn't, then a, a, as we all know, Sixers are just they're gonna be in trouble. Um, just I feel like you can't put too much pressure on Tyrese uh, just as a second year player to be able to do that. All right, everybody, thank you so much for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. For Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer, I'm Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire. We're out. We'll see you guys next time on Locked On 76ers.